Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, today I want to start talking to you about money. Now, I'm not just going to talk to you about money, though. I want to talk to you about your money. And that's getting really kind of personal, isn't it? I want to talk to you about your money. But you've got to understand, it might be really personal, but it's really important. God has an awful lot to say about money in the Bible, and it's tied up with so much of our lives. In fact, if you think about your life and you start thinking about pretty much anything, you can probably figure out somewhere or another that money connects to that. And so, since money is such a big part of our lives, that makes it a very important part of our lives, and we need to understand what God has to say about it. Now, if you've been in church any length of time, you've probably heard sermons about money. Things like sermons on giving. Maybe sermons on being honest with your money, and then sermons on giving. And then sermons about uh, you know, where your heart is, where your treasure is, and then sermons on giving, <laughs> right? I mean, you've heard those kinds of things, right? And for good reason. Um, but I tell you what, I bet, <laughs> some of you might, but most of you here have probably never heard a sermon from a preacher who came in and said, you know what? Enjoy your money. Just enjoy it. Enjoy all of it. But do you know that's what God says? That's what he says. And we want to begin to focus in on that idea today, that God intends for us to enjoy our money and to enjoy all of it, not just part of it. The passage we're going to look at, you're going to see it says that. Now, we want to be clear in our minds uh, that God says he wants us to enjoy all of our money, but he, he says very clearly he does not want us to love our money. And there's a big difference between the two. He says that the love of money, and it's actually a few verses earlier in the passage we're going to look at today, he says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and that people end up making really bad decisions when they love their money. And it creates all sorts of problems in their lives and the lives of people in their lives. Don't love your money. You see, because what you love, you will live for. And so living for money is a really, really bad idea. Produces all sorts of bad problems in your life. Which is why God tells us to love him. We need to love God, and then because what we love, we will live for. So we genuinely love God, we will live for him. And then as we live for him, we are able then to enjoy all of our money. Now, I want to share with you here, it's a, a statement, phrase that we'll be looking at off and on for the next few weeks here, uh, is this, that money works when you use it the way God intends. Money works when you use it the way God intends. Um, and this ought to make sense to us. It, everything is like this, really, isn't it? Anybody here got an electric can opener? Who's got an electric can opener? Oh, some of you guys need to come into the future. 
Okay, an electric can opener is an awesome thing. Uh, but if you say, you know what, I have some nails I need to drive in, can you do it with an electric can opener? Yeah, you can. But it's not going to work very well, and you're probably going to hurt yourself and damage uh, the can opener in the process. Uh, it gets even worse if you think that I'm going to use the electric can opener as a spatula for frying my eggs. When things are used the way they are intended to be used, that is when they work right. And money is like that. Money works when you view it, when you look at it, and when you use it the way God intends for you to do. Now, when this happens, God gets glorified, his work gets done, your needs get met, and you experience the amazing blessings of God in your life. And, and I think I get added, I think I said, that it gives you an opportunity then also to share with the world around you that God is really real and his word is really true. When we get money right, it really does matter. And so this same idea applies then when we talk about enjoying our money. I mean, would you like to enjoy your money? I mean, if, you probably say, well, I already enjoy my money, okay? But I guarantee you don't enjoy it the way you will when you get it right the way God says it's supposed to be. But if you want to enjoy all of your money, you need to use, you know, the way God intends, you need to use your money the way God intends. And so this is what we really want to start focusing on. Today we're going to focus on the idea of enjoying our money, what God has to say about that, but then we're going to continue over the next few weeks and expand on this whole idea of how does God intend us to look at our money and what does he intend for us to do with it. So let's take our, our Bibles today and turn to 1 Thessalonians. No, it's not 1 Thessalonians. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's page 1600. In 1365, 1365, 1365, it's the cold. <laughs> now, let's just read through the passage. First um, Timothy chapter 6, we're going to read verses 17 through 19. It says this. Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. See, there's that statement. What did he do? He gave us richly what? You guys out there? All things to what? That means he gave you all of your money to enjoy. Okay. So let's continue reading here. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, that it is perfect, that you have spoken it through. Um, as you said in the scriptures, holy men of God, moved by your spirit, that you spoke the word, and that we have it here before us today. Father, I pray that like the Thessalonians we talked about for the last several weeks, that we will look to your word today as coming from you and not just somebody's ideas. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we start off here, he says, command those who are rich. So, do you feel like you're rich? 
Some of you do, some of you probably don't feel very rich today. Uh, and so we might say, okay, this sermon isn't for me because he's talking to the rich. Well, let me, let me explain two things to you. One is that when we are talking about rich, and he's talking about rich, what rich really means is when you have more than you need. More than you need to get by. I mean, we have, the, the Bible talks about, uh, you know, having food, clothing, and certainly in our uh, area of the world, we need some shelter. Uh, we probably need some access to transportation, some kind of basic things to get by. And when we have more than that, we have more than we need, we fall into the category of what the Bible calls rich. Now you can be a little rich or a lot rich, we get that. But I think that probably most of us here today, most of us, maybe not all of us, most of us here today have more than we need. Did you buy a cup of coffee out last week? Have you gone to the movies recently or bought something to read for enjoyment? Have you um, went and got a new pair of shoes that you didn't have to have? On and on. See, we start to say, wow, I guess I do have more than I need. And therefore, we are rich. Now, when we want to compare ourselves to the world, the rest of the world, the United States, I mean, I, I've... Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it on Sunday mornings, but I've, I've talked about it on Wednesday nights. I have two old guys that I meet with about once a week. One's about 78 or 79, and the other's 73 now. And we get to talking about things, and, and um, it's nice for me. I get to be the young guy. <laughs> but we have these conversations. They're talking about how so many people today feel like that they're uh, just not well off at all, and this is a whole thing in the, poli you know, the political world, appealing to people, you aren't well off. You know, and they, they start talking about life, what it was like when they were growing up, and what we have today, and what people complain about considering what they have, right? And that's just in our country. We feel deprived if we don't have certain things. I mean, but when we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, if you have $25,000 of income and benefits combined, so that's not a lot of money, right? If that's what you get every year, between maybe some health care and the wages that you make, you bring in more than 98% of the world. You are in the top 2% of the world for income. If salary, wages, benefits equal 50,000, you are in the top one-third of 1%. One are we rich? Yeah, we are rich. These things apply to us. Not to mention that the Apostle Paul, really, what he's calling the rich to here is not some higher standard for the rich. He's calling them to the basic standard that every Christian is to live by. You see, the richer you become, the more you can become tempted not to do things the way God says that they are to be done. And so Paul isn't calling the rich to some special standard. He's calling the rich back to the standard for all of us. So, so let's jump in here and go back here and read. Verse 17. Here in verse 17, he's going to tell us, uh, he's going to identify two lies that you need to reject if it, when it comes to your money. He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Not to be haughty. That means to be arrogant. 
to be prideful. Have you ever known anybody in life who, who thought they were important because they had money? I mean, maybe you've been that way and felt that way. I mean, I don't know about you. I like having some money in my pocket. I enjoy that. But it would be crazy if I start thinking that my significance comes from how much money I have, that somehow money makes me important. That's a lie. I need to reject it. I am no more valuable before God and in this world when I have money or when I don't. It changes maybe what I can do or not do, but it doesn't change my value. My significance does not come from this. Uh, and then the second lie that we need to reject is, he says, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us those riches. All right, so let's assume that, that I was a really extremely wealthy person. And, and for some reason or another, you had some needs. I said, you know what, I'm going to give you $1,000 a week to help you out with this. Okay? And, and so I care about you, I love you, and I'm helping you with that $1,000. And as I'm helping you with that $1,000, all of a sudden one day I say, you know what, I, I tell you what I, I want you to do. I want you to take some of that money this week and I want you to do this with it. Okay? Just trust me and I want you to do this with it. And you think, wait a minute, I need that money. I, I gotta have that money. And, and, and you're trusting in the money instead of the person who's been graciously taking care of you. See, that doesn't make sense, does it? And yet, our tendency is that, don't we? Don't you, I mean, do you agree that it's a natural tendency for most people to trust in money? You know, natural, we, we can learn to not do that. So this is what the Apostle Paul here is identifying. He says, my significance, my security are absolutely not tied up in money. Um, we knew, Glenda and I knew a man back in the church we were from in Missouri. I'll just use his first name. His name was Stanley. And Stanley got saved out of a really rough background. I mean, he was a hustler. He was a pool hall hustler and anything. I mean, he was a hustler, Okay. He became a Christian. God changed his life in so many ways. Certain things still held on, but I tell you, Stanley, he could not live without walking around with three or $4,000 cash in his pocket 40 years ago. Because where he came from and his upbringing, that made you important. And it also made you safe. And Stanley had to learn. He, he did learn. He grew and learned and became you know, learn to let go of that money. And, and, but you see, we all have a tendency to be that way. And those two lies we've got to reject. Money does not make me important. Money does not make me safe. And this is what he says here. Trust in the living God, the one who gives you the money. Don't trust in the money. Trust in the one who gives you the money. Now in verse 18, we want to see there are three um, areas that we need to get right when it comes to our money. Verse 18. He says, let them do good. And remember, it's let them includes us. Let them do good. And by that, he's just, that's just an overarching statement. Okay, great, they have money. They need to do good with it. And then he says this, first thing they gotta get right, that they be rich in good works. Be rich in good works. He said, got money? Great. Do good works. You don't have much money? So what? Do good works. And so what he's telling them here is that your life is not about your money. Make your life about living your faith out. 
Living out your faith, that's what your life needs to be about. Not about your money. Okay? And so we need to consciously think this because we, we, we have money and able to do us all sorts of things, but we ought to be looking at our lives and say, wait a minute, what is my life about? What am I doing with my days? What am I doing when I have the opportunity that I actually get to choose what I'm going to do? What do I do? And make your life about good works, living for Christ. That's what he's saying. Now the second area that we have to get right is this. He says, be ready to give. Aha, uh-huh, you knew we were going to work that in this sermon someplace, didn't you? Well, he's telling them to be ready to give. And what he's really trying to tell them, because he isn't talking about a specific amount or about whether they're regularly giving. He isn't saying that. He's saying that when it comes to their money, they need to be ready to let it go. Oh, we could have made up some fun song. Let it go, let it go. Um, but we, when it comes to our money, we need to hold on to it with loose hands. So if I'm going through life and I have some money, you know, in the bank, in my pocket or whatever, and something comes up and I start to get a sense from the Lord, the Lord says, well, do this with that money. Give, give it away to this person. Give it to this need. Give it regularly to church or whatever. I need to be say, okay, I'm cool with that. Now, now, how can I be cool with that? Because maybe I need that money. Well, if the, if, if the God who provides you with your money, and he is the one that provides you with your money, by the way, you might say, no, my job provides you with the money. No, God's provided you with a job that provides you with money. Well, no, it's my abilities that I go out and earn money with. No, God gave you those abilities to go out and earn money. It ultimately all comes from God. And so if the God who is the one who provides you with your money begins to put a burden in your heart about giving it away and you think, I I need that money, he's capable of providing what you need. Is that true? Is God able to provide what you need? He's absolutely able. And so if he puts in your heart to give, and you think, man, I really need that money, but you're convinced God wants you to give it, give it. Be ready to do that. That's where we need to be with our money. Because once we start hanging on to the money, it starts to hang on us. And we don't want to be there. And so we got to be ready to give. And, and you say, if you need that money, God can provide it back for you. If you don't need the money, well, what's the problem? Okay? So he tells them that they need to be, their life needs about, need to be about serving Christ. Their whole life, not just their money, including their money. And then that they need to be ready to give. And then he says this area needs to be right too. Willing to share. Willing to share. Now, have you noticed with the little kids that they just naturally love to share with each other? Occasionally somebody, a kid will do that and you're like, what? But normally they don't know. There's, there's a four-letter word that kids learn real early. That sounded strange. But it's, <laughs> that four-letter word is mine. And of course, there's a two-syllable word. Mayan. Mayan. Willing to share. But Paul here is really not talking about money. 
willing to share, because he already said, ready to what? Give. He already talked about letting the money go. He's talking about here sharing you. Sharing your life. Um, could be your stuff. Right? Could be sharing your car. Someone needs a ride or they need to borrow it or something. It could be your house. Uh, a tool, uh, whatever. It could be sharing that kind of stuff, certainly. But I think it's bigger than that. When I have talked with people who we would, we would all consider to be wealthy people, when I've talked with them, they've talked about sometimes the difficulty that they begin to feel isolated from the people around them because of the, I'm not sure exactly why, but it's a reality because I've heard it from more than one. And what God is telling them here is to share themselves, to share their lives. But their tendency was to start to think that the best thing that they had to offer the body of Christ was their money. And that, that's great, that's helpful. But God wants us all to share us, to share ourselves with other people to be open, and this idea of sharing, let other people into our lives. Well, now I just crossed the line, didn't I? He's telling us that we need to let other people into our lives. But when you let other people into your lives, it gets messy, doesn't it? Sometimes their problems are like, and, and it gets all tangled up and messes up in your life, and, and are there times to draw lines? Sure there are. Okay, we need to, to seek God and follow that. But we need to be open to share our lives, which includes our stuff, our time, our prayers, our hearts, our ears, listening. If we're going to enjoy money the way God intends, we have to get these three areas right. Okay? You have to get your life right, remember? Good works, rich in good works, living for the Lord. You have to get your money right. Hang on to it loose. Be willing to let it go and do whatever God wants to do. And then you have to get yourself right. I'm willing to share my life, all of it, with you. So those three areas we have to get right if we're going to be able to enjoy money the way God intends. And I would encourage you to, to take those three words when I said it's, it's your life, your, your money, and yourself, and let's personalize them. It's it's my life. It is my money. It is myself that I need to get right if I'm going to enjoy money the way that God intends. And then there are three things that, that happen when you do finally begin to get it right with your money. Let's look in verse 19. He said, okay, they, they'd be rich in good works, they'd be ready to give, they'd be willing to share. Here's what happens. They will be storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Storing up a good foundation for the time to come. We talked about that a little bit last week, didn't we? This life is preparation for what? Eternity. This life is preparation for, for forever. And let's think back one more time. We said how the length of our lives compared to eternity is like 
one drop of water being dropped into the oceans. And so God says that what we do with our money here affects that. And we'll be looking at those verses before we're done, but he says very clearly in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't store up your treasures here because you store up your treasures here, guess where your treasures end up? Here. And then you'll always be fighting to try not to lose them and to try to keep them. He says, no, do with your money what God wants you to do, and in so doing, you will be storing up treasure in heaven. So somehow, some way, if we will get it right with our money here today, in this life, it builds up reward for us in heaven. And so we got a choice to make when we think about this way. It's either about, oh, I gotta have it now, I gotta have it now. Anybody besides me like to have money now? And enjoy, oh, yeah, we do. But we need to become very conscious, think, okay, it's great. What's it for? Well, how does God intend for me to use this money? And to make sure that then I use it that way, knowing that when this, it's going to be just this little bit here and it's going to affect forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So now's the time to get it right. And so he says here that when we do, when we get these things right, when we, when we say no to those lies that money makes me important or money makes me safe, and instead we choose to trust in God and then we, we make our lives about serving Christ and, and we hold on to our money loosely to use it for whatever God wants and then when we uh, share our lives and are open, he says when we do that, it is going to help us to store up rewards in heaven. Great starting point for heaven. And then he says this, that they may lay hold on eternal life. They may lay hold on eternal life. He isn't saying you've got to give money to have eternal life. He's talking to people who already have eternal life because they've received Christ as Savior. But what he's talking about is laying hold. And he actually says the same thing up a, a few verses earlier. He's talking about that you would begin to experience this life that God has given you. Do you remember we talked about when we get saved? First of all, we are spiritual beings. Remember we've talked over here, use a picture. We are spiritual beings deep down inside. We are spiritual beings. This is where we can relate with God or not. And, and, and that we have a soul, we have mind, will, and emotions, that part of us that uh, you know, thinks and feels and chooses. And then we have our body, which is what we function in this world with. And we said that the moment we receive Christ, what happens in our spirit? Our spirits which were dead to God have now been brought to life because God himself has moved in. And the life that I now have is eternal. It's the life of God. And it will never go away. He, he, has, he now owns me and is going to take me to be with him. But I have this life deep down inside. But out here in my thinking, my choices, my feelings, and on out into how I live in the world, I don't always make the connection to that. And what Paul is saying here is when we get this right, that this eternal life that's in here, this quality of life that's, that's God's life begins to bubble up into our souls and begins to express itself outwardly into the world. So this isn't just about some physical acts of money. This is about the life of God itself being manifested in us and out through us. It'll change your life, how you experience life. You will be able to experience in the here and now 
your eternal life. You know, money is just wrapped up with so many things. There's one other thing, we're gonna see one more benefit, but let me say to you, in my own personal life, the lessons that I learned about money and the decisions I made about money affected a whole lot more than my money. It affected how I looked at everything and all sorts of, it just had huge ramifications into the rest of my life in a good way, in a really good way. When, when a, a Christian who's learning these things for the first time, or, or maybe they've known about them, they're struggling, but when they finally say, okay, God, my money, I'm going to do my, with my money the way you want it done, it changes so much. Changes how you look at so much. How you make your decisions on and on, because you're learning to trust in the God who controls the money. So let's look here, the third thing. The third thing that is going to happen when we get it right in our money is back up there in verse 17. We already read it. He's talked about not trusting in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, including our money. And so, when we begin to get it right in this area and we begin to use our money, all of our money, the way God intends for us to use it, it starts bringing this joy, this excitement, this, is ha- this happiness. Instead of money being what sometimes is a curse in our lives, it becomes a blessing in our lives. And, and what we experience is this, that it's no longer just about, well, let me step back. What's God intend for us to do with our money? Well, safe to say, he intends us to worship him with our money, doesn't he? To glorify him with it, okay? And, and we're gonna be talking about this, but one of the ways we give, okay? So that's one of the things God intends for us to do with our money. God intends for us to buy our groceries with our money, pay our rent or our mortgage with our money. He intends for us to to share with others and invest in them. He intends for us to save some for what's coming in the future. He intends for us to just have fun with some of it, to, you know, recreational use, to refresh us. All of these things. But what happens is when you start to view money the way God intends for you to view it and to use it the way God intends for you to use it, everything changes. Because now it's no longer, okay, I'm, I'm writing a check or I'm giving online or whatever. Okay, I'm giving, great. No, it's, wow, I get to worship God with this. I, I get to show who God is in my life with this and worship him with it. And then when, I, when you go grocery shopping, it's gonna change instead of, oh, you know, when all people are busy, and then you're gonna say, this is so cool, look. God has given us money to buy food because you're starting to see it the way he intends for you to see it. And so that can become exciting. When you sit down paying the bills, the electric bill, the oil bill for the heat, this is good. God is enabling me to do this. And then when somebody has a need around you or maybe it's a young person going on a missions trip and you're able to to share and give some of that money to them. And you go out on a date with your wife or your boyfriend, girlfriend, God has provided that. This is awesome. I'm not just on a date. I'm on a date ordained and provided for by God. 
I'm sorry, but that's true, isn't it? That is true. That's what I'm trying to say. And when we start to understand, you know, what God says about money, and then we begin to use that money the way God says it, it all becomes enjoyable. It all becomes a blessing. There's no part of it that is now a curse and a nagging problem. When we start talking about money in church, it's, it's very natural for a lot of people to start thinking, oh, what, they want something from me. But I gotta tell you, this is honest, honest truth. And I was talking about it a little bit ago. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to, to understand what God says about money and what it means in your life and to get a hold of that so it becomes a great blessing in your life. And when you do that, I don't gotta worry about trying to get anything from you. God will be doing his thing. And it'll be awesome. Now you can't get your money right if you don't have a relationship with Christ. You have to receive him as savior first, acknowledging you've sinned, believing Jesus died, on the cross paying the penalty for your sins rising again from the dead and you make this once and for all lifetime decision, you're turning away from your own ways of trying to fix it and you're turning to Christ and saying I receive Christ as Savior. By faith I receive Christ. And if you have questions about that, please use one of those connection, uh, communication cards or talk to us at the connection center or something. We wanna help you with that. But also as a Christian, you can't get this unless you in this area of your life, surrender to God. Okay, God, you know where I'm coming from. You know my experiences. You know my fears. But right now, I, I am surrendering my money to you. I want to see it the way you say it is. I want to see it your way. I want to use it your way. I want to enjoy all of it. God will work, go to work on you. And he'll enable you to do that. Remember, money works when you, use it the way, when you view it and use it the way God intends. God gets glorified, his work gets done, your needs are met, and you experience the amazing blessings of God. And you'll be able to share with the world around you stories that prove that God is real and his word is true. So let's get it, okay? And let's open up our hearts to God and say, we surrender this area of our lives to you. And I got something to tell you about as soon as we're, after we pray and dismiss, so don't take off for just a minute. Father, we come before you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we do want to enjoy our money. We want our money to be a blessing in our lives. And sometimes, Father, for us, it seems like that would mean more money. And maybe it is. But whether it is or not, Father, we want to, to align our money with what you say it's for, align our hearts in that area of our lives, and we want to experience your working, your blessing, when we want you to show yourself real and your word true to us in our lives. Thank you that you've promised to do this. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.